Ladies and gentlemen, so good to be with you. It's Brian Escal, your host here, and I'm excited to introduce you for the first time to Woke Politics. You may have noticed that I rebranded Searching for Political Identity is No More, and you are now listening to Woke Politics. I'm going to get into why I rebranded in a future episode. I'm also going to talk about the experience I had shooting guns for the first time in my life recently. In a, in a future episode, I'll probably do one next week in which I talk about both of those things. But for now, I just want to thank you for being here, welcome you to this show, and set up today's episode, which is an interview I did, another interview I did with my friend at this point, E.H. Ivins. This will be the four, a third? I think this is the third time he's been on the show. And uh, it's another multiple hour long episode. And it's a, a similar notes that we hit from, we've talked about previous episodes. Not the same notes, but you're going to get another heavy dose of Herbie's political, well, anti-political philosophy called anti-politism. And that's basically it. He's really into it. And if you want to learn more about it, uh, then please enjoy the following two and a half plus hours. So, um, no, seriously, I want to thank Herbie as I did in the episode. It's very kind of him to give his time and knowledge to me. He really adds a lot of value. He, he carries the show every time he's on it. And I'm very grateful to him. So, and I consider him a friend. And the bottom line is he thinks we're headed for a catastrophe. And he thinks anti-politism is the solution for when, not to prevent the crisis, because he would tell you the crisis, as you'll hear, the crisis is already, you know, in the third inning and, and there's no avoiding it. But he said after the game is over and everything's crashed and everything's gone to hell, he thinks anti-politism is a nice playbook that we should all follow. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're not already following my podcast, I would love to have you as a follower. Thanks so much. And see you next week. Good to have you back, my friend. Good to be here. Good to yeah, be here. My, my girlfriend's dad is uh, a real fan of yours. He, uh, <laughs> he, he said he could listen. So he stopped listening to my podcast for a little while because the subscription he had with Spotify that is my girlfriend set him up with, you know, he could barely figure it out and it, something expired. So he was not tracking with me, but then he got back in and he discovered our most recent episodes. And he said, he was basically, yeah, I like, you know, you're doing great, Brian. Said, but I could listen to Herbie for five hours. I could listen to her. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. You're in the, you're going to perform. You're going to please. Glenn. Well, you know, I, I, I don't perform. It's just me, man. You know, I just I just let yeah, it. He's a huge fan. I let it, throw, let it flow through he's me. Thank genius you. And um, I hope so. And, and um, he thinks you're very interesting. And, you know, he, he definitely respects. He has a lot of respect for you. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, what, what's his name? Glenn. Glenn. Glenn, wherever you are, you know, rock Give on. Give a shout man. out. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, get involved. Anyway. And by the way. The reason I'm doing the show today, and but it's not that I don't love to do. I, I'll do it for, with you any yeah. old time. But we're launching. We're yeah, launching. Tell me what's going on. Um, we are launching. We being my little group of anti-political people who are at the core of the movement. I hope mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. are launching crowdfunding on a half a dozen sites. I'll send you. I'll send you the links um, at some point, probably tomorrow. But okay. Well, when you do, I'll I'll include them in the uh, oh, publication. Awesome. awesome. 
Anyway, it's time to act because, you know, the, it's imminent. The end is here. We're, we're already in it. We just don't know it yet. But we're about okay, to get a so lesson. For, those, for the uninitiated who have not heard the three episodes we've done together now, give us the quick overview of what anti-politism is, what your movement is, um, and tell me why you're launching the crowdfunding now. What's that going to be about? Okay. So anti-politism is a different way of running a republic. Let's put it to you that way. You know, the word democracy gets overused. But there are, let's see, Liechtenstein is a, is a true democracy. Switzerland, for the most part, is a true democracy. And everybody else in the world runs some kind of a republic if they are what we call a democracy. In other words, a representative government as opposed to people directly voting for their bills. I realize that in the United States, you know, we do, we do um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hold on one second. Someone's knocking on my door. Can you pause this just for one second? I, I want can, to see yeah. if it's an Amazon. We'll or, do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're back. Okay. So, so let, sorry about that. I just had to run. Okay. Quickly, anti-politism. So is a different way of choosing those people that represent you, us. In right. You were saying in America we have, what do we in have America, in America then? Well, we do have some forms of direct democracy, which are like referendums. Like they're, you know, California is a big state for referendums. Arizona, um, where the state that I live in, um, just we just had the Supreme Court uphold, the, uh, actually overturn a referendum. So, so the state legislature had passed a massive tax cut, and uh, Arizona is kind of a purple state these days. And a progressive group put a you know, bill on one of these little off elections that you know, like nobody votes in, and managed to pass a bill forbidding the cutting of the income tax. And the state Supreme Court just threw that out. But thank God, by the way. So. Arizona, by the way, now is a two and a half percent flat tax. That's that we, we went away from a graduated income tax. So anyway, anti-politism is what democracy is going to have to be if we have a chance to survive. And I'll get it and I'll get into why we're in the disaster in a minute. But it's 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 government by selection, not election. So instead of running these elections where the average congressperson spends somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 million dollars to win a two-year job that pays $175,000 a year, which is corrupt on its face, if you think about it, and the average senator spends somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million for a job that pays $175,000 a year for, for six years. Again, obviously corrupt on its face. And the enormous amount hold of- on, Hold on, Why? Why? I mean, I hear you on the, it's weird, it's, the numbers are strong. Because to raise that money, they must sell their souls. Because when the Congress reformed, at one point, I would have said unnecessary, because let's, let's turn the clock back to 1968 for a moment, okay? And Lyndon Johnson is considering running for re-election in, in, you know, that year. And... Eugene McCarthy, who was a, a senator from, I want to say Wisconsin, I might be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Wisconsin. It might have been Minnesota, but it's, I'm a little foggy on that one. But anyway, Eugene McCarthy ran an insurgent campaign in New Hampshire, and he didn't beat LBJ, but he, scored, he got so many votes that LBJ, LBJ after that um, primary, bowed out. He, he realized that he was not going to win, yada, 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 Hubert Humphrey ended up... Uh, nominated. But the point is, Eugene McCarthy did that with one donor. One guy, one Democratic donor,
put up all the money, and there was no secret. You, you, Jim McCarthy put it out. It was no secret. It was, it was a you know mainstream donor, but put up the whole thing for him to go and beat LBJ or try to beat LBJ in New Hampshire. Today, we've had what our politicians call reform, but is really the guaranteed incumbent program. By reducing the, the maximum donation to $2,000 for an individual, it means that unless you have bundlers and a massive fundraising machine, it's impossible to challenge an incumbent or damn near, it, unless you're a billionaire. The only people now knocking off incumbents are very, very wealthy people who can self-finance like Donald Trump. And by the way, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm just using that as an example. Mm -hmm. Today, it would be very difficult for an insurgent to run a campaign because of the $2,000 limit. On the other hand, these the party apparatuses, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, both have massive fundraising efforts. And, and across the street from, from the Capitol building itself, across the street from the office building where the, the vast majority of congressmen have their offices, is another office building just off the premises that's the um, phone room for the congressmen. So there's a law against them raising money while in the Capitol. So they built another building a short walk away from the Capitol, I mean really short, like we're talking 50 steps, where they go in there and they spend an average of $40, 40 hours a week smiling and dialing. That's what our, that's what your congressmen and senators are doing. They're spending an average, and this is well documented, you can fact check me, feel free, spend an average of 40 hours a week doing nothing but fundraising all the time. Now think about, first of all, when do they have time to read the bills that they're voting on? The answer is, of course, they don't. So they then delegate that to an unelected bureaucracy that runs roughshod over us, like what just happened in COVID. We can discuss that later. I'm going to stay on anti-politism. But the fact of the matter is, because they have to raise this, this money from, from all these bundlers and special interests, they have inordinate influence, both on the left and on the right. So you have, you know, we're not capitalists anymore. We're capitalists because our government has become so intermingled with corporate America, which is, by the way, the definition of fascism. I'm sorry, but it's true. Now, a lot of those corporations are progressive corporations. They're the Silicon Valley corporations. They mostly support Democratic candidates. But there are plenty of Republicans, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. And there are libertarians like the Koch brothers. But all of these people will wield enormous amounts of influence that they shouldn't wield because of the need to raise all of this money. And it gives lobbyists and bundlers way too much influence and power. You, you, did I make I my point? Or do I need to keep so, going? I, no, no, no. I mean, that that's and that's a point, I think, made generally by many people. Uh, okay, so anti-politism says... Usually the left, I think, which is interesting because you're not a, you know, no, typical... No. You're not really a particularly progressive guy, I don't think. I don't like the term. No, I'm not a progressive. I think progressive is a synonym for crazy. But we'll get Let me into ask you this though, real quick. Yeah. Do you, do you not, as a whether you're a libert, you know, pretty much get libertarian vibes from you? Um, but do you think that a political system, you call it fascism? Do you not think that we should have? A system that caters to corporations—is that not good for no. the comp uh, the no. the economy? No, 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 Should no, and no. It 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 distorts the market and creates preferences for large businesses over small ones. Look at what's just come out of COVID. The big businesses came through it because the Congress funneled trillions of dollars through this baloney loan program that didn't have to get paid back. Where people like J.K. Rowling, for Christ's sake 
for her Broadway show was able to take a loan that she didn't have to pay back. I mean, right. it was just, and I'm using her as just a famous example, but no, that's what, that's widely known to just right. have been a, a money a bottom a money pit. pit. Okay, yeah. and that all went to benefit big business. But walk down the street where you live and look at the annihilation of small business that's still there. We annihilated the small business class, right. and it's because mm -hmm. of the influence of the large business. It should have never happened. Never. The, the, the grotesque well, it was overreaction. The lockdowns, right? The lockdowns were a grotesque overreaction to a bad cold. Do you think the big businesses really were, were influencing the lockdown policy? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because they, <laughs> the progressive ones do. I don't like to use the term corporations. There are progressive corporations and there are libertarian corporations. And there are corporations, the vast majority of which are apolitical. But it only takes a few. So you get a guy with, with you know, billions and billions of dollars like Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, and he exercises a, a enormous... And I love Amazon, by the way. Right. I have an order coming as we speak. Don't get me wrong. Right. But Amazon does not belong in having lobbyists. And yet Amazon and Microsoft and Google and Twitter and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And Facebook, they have full-time lobbying staffs who do nothing but funnel money to these people, particularly on the left. And... But there's, like I say, there are, there are those on the right. It's both sides. It's all a corrupt, these political action committees, these super political action committees. These are all, this is all legalized corruption. America is just as corrupt as China or Russia, only we've made our corruption open and legal. And somehow hmm. brainwashed our public into thinking it's a good idea. Somehow the public had never quite coalesces around the idea that you must be corrupt to hold office at this time with the system rigged the way it is, which is why. So, so you not being in a sorry to cut you. I'm so sorry to have cut you off, but uh -huh. you not being really progressive. What what is your concern? What drives you? Because it's, you strike me as a guy that could just sit back and say, hey, I'm doing fine in this system. I love America. Well, no one's going to do fine in this system because the great collapse has already begun. We'll get to that in just one minute, I think. Let me let me finish on anti-politism and I'll explain why. So but these corporations, it, these corporations, have, they distort you know, the market. They distort. Do they the not market. have a right to lobby? Sure, as long as there's no money involved. In anti-politism, there are lobbyists. The term lobbyist comes from the lobby of I want to say it was the Fremont Hotel. I, I might be wrong. In in Washington at the time of Abe Lincoln. So at the time of Lincoln and his predecessors, you know anybody could walk into the into the White House and meet the president. It was wide open, even during the Civil War, believe it or not, and what a lobbyist was is all the government, the, the, the government at that time, the, the central government during the Civil War became an enormous source of wealth for a lot of people, a lot of war profiteers. And, and that's where the term lobbyist came from, because they were always, you know, grabbing people in the lobby of this hotel, which is every, where everyone went to eat. It was like the in place to be. And the term lobbyist just developed from these guys whispering in the ears of politicians in the lobby of this hotel. There's nothing wrong with lobbying if there's no money attached to it. So in other words, in an anti-political Congress, there are going to be a lot of qualified people, but they're not going to, no one knows, the smartest person in the world might know, might know 5% of what there is that's known, let alone what's unknown. In other words, that's, that would be the smartest person in the world. Most people don't, uh, th this is the, the fallacy of experts, by the way, why, why they're so poisonous, why, why people like, for example, Fauci should never right. be in a position of power. But, um, that all said, 
Yeah, I've smattered you around, but yeah, you were... yeah, what would, all, all I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with, let's say, a, a a green group who wants to promote renewable energy to come into the office of a congressperson and lobby them on the benefits of what they're proposing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just free. That's First Amendment protected free speech. What's wrong with it is, is by the way, if you do this, there will be $100,000 tomorrow bundled from all of our employees at $2,000 each that will appear into your re-election committee. That's what's wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with information sharing. And I would never I would never restrict people's First Amendment rights to lobby in the sense of talking to their Congress people about what they'd like to have done. That's American as apple pie. That's that's democratic as great. So the lobbying thing. So does is that criminal um, what you just described, but it just happens, you know, on the hush? Or is that actually legal? What it's, you just, it's, like they no, can't it, condition it, can they like that? They do. Absolutely. But 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 is it is it they do it under the table to, like that can't be like legal explicitly right it's you legal can't. explicitly is it yeah it's legal explicitly that's just it it is legal it's perfectly legal if if 50 individuals each put in $2000 each and they happen to be the senior executives of uh, you know Monsanto or whatever the you know whatever the company we're talking about that's fine there's nothing wrong with those executives. They have a First Amendment free speech right to organize and put in $2,000 each and then give it to the candidate who's going to do the best thing for Monsanto. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's in the sense, there's everything wrong with it, but there's nothing illegal right. about it in the current system. And that's what you meant by American legalized corruption. Yes. And, and it results in the perversion of our system. So, for example, and, and I'm, I'm going to. I'm not digressing, even though it's going to sound like I am. Let's turn to the war in Ukraine just for a minute. Russia rolls into the country and gets absolutely annihilated from the beginning, right? Mm. I mean, from the beginning, the Ukrainians were just handing it to them. That convoy on the road, there were picture after picture after picture of vehicles with like blown tires, right? That's what Russian corruption looks like. So when the Russians were designing those vehicles and they called for, let's say, 100,000 mile tires, the fact is some guy pocketed the difference between the 100,000-mile tires and the 20,000-mile tires and stuck those on the vehicles and pocketed it. They hide their corruption, in other words. Mm. And, in every, and in every part along the way, every part of that, of that vehicle, every part of their military equipment is just a reflection of the corruption of the system. It's, it's terrible equipment because the system, the nature of the corruption is secret. You with me so far? Chinese yep. have the same thing. Okay. Here, here's a good example of American corruption. Here's a trivia question. In how many states is the F-35 built? The new fighter jet. The F-35 is the new, this is what the Ukrainians want more than anything. It's, it's the front line, the new front line fighter of NATO. It's, it's fast. It's, it's stealthy. It's awesome. It's just the, I'm going to guess it's built in one state. It's built in 45 states. It should be built in one. States. Yeah, it should be built in one state. It's built in 45 states. That's what corruption, that's what legal corruption does. In other words, all those congressmen got a little piece of the action from Northrop Grumman or whoever the fuck is building that plane. And they and they said, in return for that, you're going to build the stabilizer in bumfuck Iowa, right? You know, or where, wherever it might be. And in return for our donation, you're going to build the landing assembly, landing gear assemblies in, you know, blow me Kansas or wherever it might be, right? So... That, and that's how these deals are done. So what we have, so our equipment is excellent. We're just, play, we're just paying like 10 times too much for it. 
In other words, is there, I could see a value in a broad, in an abstract sense, to having a decentralized, you know, manufacturing chain. So we don't want well, yeah, to. But, but, but in, in no way do you have a, a single product that you have to source. Your supply chain is coming from 45 places. Think about that just for a moment. Okay, I mean seriously. If if you look at how any other manufacturer operates in a non-political space, their suppliers are close to them. Okay, always because it's the only way it works. Because these people are moving right. a, an assembly line at, at a high speed, and and when you get your supply chains, your links too long, like what's happening in microchips now, because they're all made in Taiwan. Literally, you end up with a, an enormous problem. Okay, but. Hmm. It's that that fighter costs about a hundred a hundred million dollars a copy, and it ought to cost ten millions. No, I'm sorry, two hundred million dollars a copy, and it ought to cost twenty million. I'm sorry, it should it should be about ten percent? That's true right. of our, and that's I'm citing the military because it's an easy target, but that's everything. The government literally wastes fifty percent of what it takes because really, if you think about it, there's only like four ways to spend money. You can spend money on yourself, which you're very careful about. We all are. If you were going to buy, let's say. I know you love music. If you're going to go out and buy some piece of equipment to help you enjoy your music, you're going to think long and hard about it. You're going to look at the price versus the value. You're going to make a very informed decision. We all do, no matter what it is that we buy. Now, if you're buying something for somebody else, you're sort of careful. You want them to have it, but you're not nearly as careful as you are with your own. So if you have to buy a gift for your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad, regardless, I don't know what, what your family structure is, but you have to buy a gift for a family member. You buy them something that's great, but you don't really think about it part past the giving. So it's pretty careful, and you're still spending your own money, but you're not as careful as if you spend it on yourself. Right. The and more distant the value is, right. the less you care about the... Now, if, if you are spending somebody else's money on yourself, you're going to be even more generous. And if you're spending somebody else's money on somebody else, and those are the only four ways to spend money I've just listed, then you be, who gives a fuck? Okay, no one gives any control when they're spending somebody else's money on somebody else, right? So it, that's why there's, the government is wildly out of control. That's why progressivism in particular is a, is a stupid concept, okay? Because you cannot, there's, when they talk about we're going to afford this because we're going to get the waste out, the waste is literally evolved into the system and cannot be removed. 50% of every dollar you give to, a, to a, the federal government is, is wasted. Now, I'm not saying it's not spent on something that has something to do with what they're doing. It's just unnecessary bullshit. And the government... So why are the progressive... So what, what, so, and we'll get back to anti-politism, and we will, but why, what would you say to the progressives who say, Herbie, I'm with you. We don't want these companies, big corporations, to have undue influence. So where, where, where's the beef? Where do we disagree? Where do you disagree with the progressive? progressive you want to depower them. The progressives want to use the government as a, as a agent of change. They believe that they have the moral high ground and they know what's good or bad for people. And they believe that experts know more than the average person. They have a, they, that One of the reasons that Donald Trump rose to such prominence is because the working people of this country got tired of being of being told you're stupid, that, that the condescension from the uh -oh. progressive ruling class in okay, Hollywood and elsewhere. Just cut up for a half a second. Right. Okay. There's a lot of condescension on the progressive part. You know, they, they infantilize the people that they say oh, they're helping. Totally. Okay. So, and they do it from central control. And what, what I said earlier, that the smartest person in the world might know 5% of what there is to know. Well, let me tell you, nobody can, can anticipate the day-to-day -day decisions involved with, you know, 8 billion people worldwide. They're, they're making literally trillions of decisions a second. And no one can possibly 
possible. It's impossible. Every every no progressive program can stand up to, to to three questions. The first, and I I wrote a blog about this, but I'll just quickly cover it. Question number one is, um, compared to what? So 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 if a progressive says we could we can build an entire new industry of green power and energy and power the country and get off fossil fuels and we can do it by 2030. Well, compared to what? Who's ever done anything like that before? Show me another instance where anyone I don't, doesn't have to be green energy has where any where the government, government has, led an industrial right, revolution. What it, the American government has never created a single business or industry. So anywhere in the world in history has it ever happened? The answer is no. So there's there, it doesn't even survive the first question because there right. can only be two reasons why you have an idea that's better than everybody else. Either you think that you have a truly original idea, and that's very rare because even Einstein's ideas, ideas are derivative. We all derive, okay? Or it's been tried and failed so many times that no one could be stupid enough to try it again. Now, their answer to that is, yes, but we've never tried it. It's it's such a hubris. <laughs> there's It's such a solipsistic argument. There are the well, entire... Well, yeah, no, it definitely is that argument. It definitely is that argument of, hey, we have we can do this. You know, it's it's aspirational. And... You know, they say about the American system, we can transform yeah, with our ideals and, that's how and the, morph that's into. How right. Yeah. This is how our. Th- and I agree with I agree with just about everything you've said. And yes, the people in the middle of the country and flyover country are saying not so fast. Not even not sir. so fast. It's like, stop it. Fuck right. you. Quit taking our money. See, the truth is, when you hear people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, tweedly D and tweedly dumber, who talk about getting the money from the corporations or the billionaires. Let's take, let's have an excess wealth tax on the billionaires and this tax on the billionaires. Look, if we confiscated all the billionaires' money together, the 730 of them, it would run the government for maybe six months. And then what the fuck are we going to do? The truth is, all the money's in the middle class. It's just dispersed. So, that's what inflation is, by the way. It's just a tax on the middle class. And people are fucking tired of it. They're tired of bearing the burden of what the government's doing constantly. And that's and being happening right now. There's no doubt. I mean, you'd have Every to be lying yourself day. to deny it. And they all fail. And and even the nice progressives, there are, there are plenty of progressive people who are really sincere and genuine and think that their empathy is what justifies all this. Probably they really like Joe Biden. <laughs> no, Joe Biden's corrupt. But, that's, mm-hmm. but he's also got dementia and a blind man could see it. And I don't even understand what the argument is. Why he hasn't been removed by the 25th amendment is just, was only because Kamala Harris is vice president. If he had picked anybody else, if he had picked Amy Klobuchar to be his woman running mm. mate, he'd be gone already. They'd already gone in to see him and say, Joe, you've got to resign in, in favor of Amy. The only reason they haven't said that to him is because she is worse, which is almost unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, she oh, talk man. about an empty suit. Jesus Christ. Okay, the two so let's of them get... really are something. What a combo! Oh, you know, I, I I'm I wrote a piece. I don't know. Have I read? Did I? I think I did. I think my last blog was on um, best and worst Who's presidents. The best pre- yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I said in that blog, I said James Buchanan is the traditional choice for worst president, and I would concur with that. And but Biden is definitely going to overtake him and pass him. You know, Biden's going to be the president that took us into the great the the great collapse that we're already in, and he is. You know, I I wrote an article about you know what Trump might have done, which really inflamed the masses on that one. I got a lot of fucking angry. Anyway, yeah. What what do you, I actually didn't read that one? What would he have done? Probably not nothing. 
Um, he, well, you can go down issue by issue. And by the way, I'm going to preface this so that everyone listening knows this. I did not, would not, and never, I just think Trump is an imbecile. But he has pretty good instincts, okay, basically speaking. And the problem with progressives is they spend way too much time listening to what he says day to day when his supporters know that's all just bullshit. They watch what he does, okay? They know that he talks bullshit all the time. And, yeah, you know, they can makes, separate and, the man from yeah. the policies. So, pretty okay, simple. let's... So let's start with Afghanistan. Let's Afghanistan, have Trump derangement syndrome, which you can right. almost understand. But so Trump had a deal. Right. Trump made a deal with the Taliban. He said, look, we'll be out by May, but you have to let us keep Bagram Air Base until we get everybody out of the country because it's our most defensible position. And then when we got everybody safely out of the country, we'll turn over Bagram and we'll hit the road. That was his plan. He had a deal. The Taliban accepted it. All's well that ends well except that Biden couldn't possibly withdraw on the same date that, that Donald Trump picked. So he broke the deal. Now, the Taliban doesn't give a fuck about American politics, and they're really, they had nothing to do with 9-11. They feel, they feel like we came in, grabbed their country, tried to inject a bunch of Western values into an Eastern country and an Islamic country. They wanted us the fuck out of there, but they, the Taliban, unless for, for the listeners, had nothing to do with 9-11. Nothing. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Okay, nothing. Al Qaeda is a very different thing. They happen to be in the country because the Taliban runs the country with a very loose hand. But at the very same time, they had nothing. They didn't plan it. They they don't care about what happens in America. They're a domestic movement. But what you're saying is Biden's withdrawal was poorly executed. Well, first of all, he broke the deal with, with the Taliban. So now the Taliban begins. They say, well, fuck that. They begin overrunning the, the provincial capitals which they weren't doing when Trump was president because we had a deal that, that he was keeping. So, that, so then it became a, a rout. The government collapsed in two days. Everyone got, and worst of that, he gives up our most defensible position on day one. We withdraw from Bagram Air Base, release about 500, just, I'm not going to go through it all, just a clusterfuck of incompetence for no other reason than politics. That was the beginning. Okay. Now yeah, let's it just. It did seem like he set the date to be out by well, the twentieth anniversary then, of September eleventh, and that seemed really yeah, dumb. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Then he gives that 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 talk where you know even though we don't have people there, we can kill people over the horizon, and then he kills a family of right. of, of nine people because he has no one on the ground telling him whether or not they're terrorists. And from a drone, it looks like their water bottles might be nitroglycerin. So they they kill seven children and their parents. Nice job, Joe. Well, he should have been impeached at that moment. At that moment. That was a criminal act. No one ever talks about it because yeah. no one wants to point. I said at the time I tweeted and I think said in an episode, but definitely tweeted. Oh, yeah, definitely tweeted. I said, will this come up? Is this issue really going to get under the rug? Yeah, it Is did. Really? And, it, and it did. We'll see if it comes Absolutely up Absolutely murder. I think we it'll were, come up again. It was, you know Trump it was, will bring it up. <laughs> well, Trump has brought it up plenty, but the, the mainstream media doesn't pay any attention to him. So, so bring it back to okay. anti-politics. Okay, so let's go back to anti-politism. And by the way, Trump. So so, yeah, your uh, point, yeah, go ahead. The point is, he would have. We, we would have still oh, yeah, ended well, up in the Great Collapse, but it wouldn't have been during Trump's second term, and he would have put it off for maybe another eight to ten years. So but all now, the money printing is basically the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hold on. Let me just frame this for myself and for the audience. Let me take a second here. You, you're telling me about anti-politism. We're getting into uh, why Biden is accelerated. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on Biden too much. I think yeah, 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 no, just, I'm just, I'm just, just framing let's, it. Hold let's on. all just concede that the government has fucked this and put us in an awful position. Can we all just agree on that? We don't really have to get into the nuts and bolts. We all know it. Everyone knows it, right or left. Everyone knows we're fucked. Don't you know we're mm-hmm. fucked? Don't you feel it in, in, in the pit of your stomach? Don't you look at what's going on and say to yourself sometimes, "Fuck, something's really wrong." Have, yeah, have, hold have, on, have, hold on. Okay, yeah. Herbie, hold on. So, 
let me just put it together for myself. You're saying we have a corrupt system because big corporations have too much influence. Not just no, yeah. no, 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 no. Every special interest. Teachers unions have too much interest. Trade unions have too much interest. Trade unions represent 6% of American workers. Did you know that? Collectively. The whole bunch of them represent 6% of American workers. How is it that they shut down an entire school system over the teachers union? Answer, they're the largest donor to the, to the Democratic Party, except for trial lawyers. There's another, tra there's another trade group. They're number one. That's why we don't have tort reform in the United States. Okay, it's and, I mean, and it's because sixty percent of the Congress are lawyers. And, I, and and no offense to you, but I've I've said it in the open before. Lawyers are nothing more than people educated to be to be verbal prostitutes. I mean, you know, they, they represent anyone who will pay them. And the idea is to do the best job possible. They're necessary, but they're True. they don't. But they're trained to be intellectual prostitutes. That's what a that's what a what a lawyer is. He's an intellectual prostitute. How do we have sixty percent of the Congress intellectual prostitutes? Think about that. They represent 0.3% okay. of the population. 0.3% right. of, of our population are lawyers. They're 60% of our Congress. What the fuck is that? Okay. So yeah. too much lawyering. Uh, too, too much many lawyer influence. Not only by big corps, but other special it, interests all, as well. All and it's be, all about the money. It's all about the money. If you get rid of the okay. money, the, the corruption goes away. Instead of trying to change the rules and make them arcane and change the size of contributions and make all kind of disclosure requirements and create all new bureaucracies, what do you say we just take all the money out of it altogether? And then, bingo, you don't need any of that shit. So what anti-politism is, is, is a republic by selection, not election. So we, we apply, a, we, we do a census across the country. Um, congressional district by congressional district, which, by the way, are redrawn to be equal ge geometric sizes, depending on how many states are within each state. So like Wyoming, the whole state is just one. But, you know, California will be cut into like 47, I think it is, whatever the fuck it is. But they don't have to be these weird gerrymandered shapes because there's no more political parties in anti-politism. Everybody is just everybody. So you can divide them up in equal areas by population and geography. You don't have to consider politics because there are none in anti-politics. That's the name, anti-politics. So, but, but there's always going to be politics in society. Politics, well, politics, if politics is the defin de dictionary definition, which is free open debate, okay, that's great. It's, it's when you start corrupting it with payola that you can't have it. We, what we have is, is poisonous, corrupt politics. I'm going to return it to service as opposed to ambition. The whole idea behind anti-politism is the people who serve the representatives are doing it out of duty, not ambition. Okay, so let me go back to the structures to, to cover it, and then we'll get we'll get into whatever you want to get into. Let me just finish the structure of it, okay? Sure, go ahead. Because we're almost there. So we do the census, and then we apply a screen. You, you either have to have a, a bachelor's degree from an accredited university or or more, or failing that, you have to be an entrepreneur who's been in business for five years or more. Okay, or failing both of those things, you have to be in the top third of, of income earners overall. Doesn't matter what your education or how you made your money. You're just at the top echelon of the earning scale. Okay, and you have to have no criminal record, and um, you have to be working full time. Those are the five screens: no retired people, no trust fund babies, no wealthy uh, people, no 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 poor people, no welfare recipients. If you aren't working. 40 hours minimum a week, you are not on the list, period, end of story. Because we have to return to our selection process only people that are pulling the cart, not people riding in it. Okay, there's nothing wrong with people riding in the cart, but they don't get to, to choose how much they take. 
Does that I mean that's how we yeah, got into this fucking mess? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. okay so, so you got the select. So that's interesting. So okay, now so you got this so good group I, of people. That's good right. Group and of I've, people. Good and I've, and I've done the math on this. Yeah. It, the average congressional district is seven hundred eleven thousand people, and if you apply those screens against the percentage of the population each of those represent, and I have done the math already, you end up with about one hundred and fifteen thousand people. Oh, and over the age of thirty-five. That was the sixth screen. You got to be over thirty-five. And over 35, because you've got to have a few gray hairs. To make good decisions, you have to have experience. And to have experience, you have to have time to make some shitty decisions, right? The only good decisions come from experience, but experience comes from bad decisions. And you have to have time to get those so you learn something in your life. This is why um, social media is so poisonous because it's so young with people who have no experience and mm -hmm. tend to react to things without the leavening of time. So everyone, so we have this entire group. It works out to about 115,000 people, 111 to 115,000 people. Okay. So everyone in that group is assigned a number from five zeros one to 115,000. Okay. Everyone has a number and they're assigned blindly. Just you, you, you submit your, and by the way, we don't have to background check everybody. It, it's just a questionnaire. So I have to participate up. if I qualify. Everybody has to send in the card, but if you put in there, I'm dumb as shit, you won't be in the process. No one's going to be selected to choose who doesn't want to be a part of the process. It'll be like, okay. All right. Okay. And all the people that are, that are in the, in the pool to be selected, we're not going to background check them. We're only going to check the guy that wins. There's no point. We're going to assume that people, if they get selected, don't want, don't want the public humiliation of being the asshole who lied about his degree. Okay. Or lied about his business or lied about how much money we're, we're not going to, we're not going to fact check 115,000 people. That would be unbelievably intrusive. We're going to take their word for it. And then whoever gets picked, we'll look at that person. But, right. you so know, ping pong balls on live TV, okay. literally, right? Ping pong balls on live TV, six numbers pop up. And the reason we use the ping pong balls is because you can't hack it. It's not on the internet. It's not on any services. There's no way to fix it. Everybody watches it happen. The number comes up and that's the representative. End of story. For the next, and all offices become four years long. Everybody is paid what they earned the year before they were selected per diem because right. Congress becomes a part time job because they're not raising spending 40 hours a week raising money. So it becomes something they go into session a couple you times a year. They serve for one term only. Right? They serve one, one term only and out. The president is selected by the Congress in a in a sort of like, I, I modeled it after the College of Cardinals in the Catholic Church. It's kind of the whole Congress gets together, both houses of Congress, they get together and they sit down and they pick who among them is the most qualified person based on them knowing them for the last two years working together. And they know who the smart and stupid ones, smart and stupid ones are. They'll pick the smartest one. That person serves four years as president now. We don't so need a vice selected, president. So the selected officials uh, choose among themselves a president. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who, who then serves four years. So that, that president, he or she has served two years already. They serve four more. So they, they're the longest serving people in, in government. And the reason I did it that way is so they overlap the Congresses. So there's some continuity in government. So, so there's not a lot of, you know, I don't know, upset unnecessarily. Let's call it that way. But since they're selected, all of these people have been selected randomly. None of them had the ambition. And they, by the way, once you've, once you've served, you're done. You're out of the pool. You can never be selected again. You, and so that's how does it. the lawmaking work? Well the, well, the government does much, much less. So the, government is, the federal government is reduced to doing the four things that the government should be doing. Okay, which is defend the shores, provide strong money, chase down interstate criminals, and conduct foreign policy. That's well, all many, the government's going to do. How many people do you end up with serving uh, in Congress? Same number. It's exactly 535. Exactly the same. 
And, okay, okay, so the laws but, are made but, the same way. Uh, exactly like the same ways. Of, I'm not going to alter the Constitution in any way except how these people are selected. Oh, okay? so the Constitution. The Constitution apply? stays in. Oh, no, the Constitution is the Constitution. All I'm, all anti-politism is, is an amendment to the Constitution of how we select people. We still have the every the Bill of Rights, all the amendments, the body of law. We have hmm. to keep statutory law. I mean, that's we're a country of laws. Now those laws need a big overhaul, but that we, you know, the only affirmative commandment. I and I, I think I've talked probably about this get before. it if uh, you do anti-politics. Right. Well, in anti-politics, in every law, we should put this screen against it. Any law that's a, any law against anything that you do to yourself or with another adult in the privacy of your home should be off the books. Period. End of story. Every single law, anything that you do to yourself or with or with consenting adults in the privacy of of your home or theirs should be never illegal. Not drug use. Not not anything. I don't give a shit what you're doing. And to start a business should be as easy as saying. Oh, you want to buy what I have to sell? I'm in business. I have a store now. That's how hard it should be to open a business. Period. So this is your conservative side coming out, right? In the economic No, field? no, no. No, conservatives have laissez-faire priorities. Right? Very laissez-faire. Laissez I want to return it to what we did in the 19th century, the greatest century economically in the history of mankind. In, in the beginning of the 19th century, the average American lived on a dollar a day. So did everybody else in the world. There was no middle class, and 80% of the population grew food for 100%. That's how unproductive agriculture was. By the end of the 19th century, in an unfettered free market, the only one that's ever been done in a large-scale country, our, our per capita income had gone up by thousands of fold. The middle class had emerged where there was none before, and we had no Great Depressions, and we had recessions and depressions, but they, the longest one lasted nine months. And and everybody and the government was absolutely hands off, no interference in private business by either party or any party that existed during that time, not once. And that's what I want to go. The government should not be involved in your life day to day. The government has the ability, has the duty to protect your right to pursue happiness. They do not, should never be involved in trying to provide happiness. That's so where they on, fuck no, everything Hold on, hold on. Here, I have a question for you. Okay. Are we now, are we, have we now distinguished between anti-politism, what that is, and what your beliefs are politically? Well, I am the founder of anti-politism, so I, I mix them into this, you know. No, I'm, but I'm, I'm just asking because anti-politism wouldn't necessarily lead to a particular result you might no think no 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 everything in my everything in my book a radical reset is, is a suggestion okay but i know the reason that anti, the an anti-political congress is going to have it's going to be more diverse just by the randomness of it it's going to have the selection of the, the proper percentage in the minds of anybody watching there will be black people and asian people and jews and italians and greeks and it'll the, it'll be a a a a, a representation of America by its sheer randomness. And there won't be 60% attorneys. There will be engineers and doctors and business executives and, and retailers and manufacturers and scientists. It'll be, there'll be professors and teachers and, and all kinds of interesting people, mm. okay, in, in, a, in a much more diverse environment. But what I'm counting on is after you're over 35 and you've made a little money, I'm sort of building the whole thing on the concept of what Winston Churchill famously said. If you're under 30 and not a liberal, you have no heart. And this is, of course, in the context of his time. You could use the word progressive. And, you're, and if you're over 30 and not a conservative, you have no brain. And frankly, anyone who's really making money on the streets, not a Hollywood ultra rich who got their money because they're lucky and they have a pretty face, 
they, you know, these are people that have actually achieved something in their life to get to where they are. And those people are going to be naturally libertarian, whether they know they are or they're not. So I made a okay, series. So I of, keep trying to paint you as a conservative, but you're I'm pretty not. much a libertarian. Oh, I'm, I'm an anarchist, really. I mean, look, if, if to me, just like communism is the ultimate expression of socialism, it can't work, but that's the idea behind it. Communism is the utopian socialist state. You know, where everything's owned by the workers and everybody shares equally based on their need and blah, blah, blah. The whole bullshit story. Okay. Anarchy is the ultimate utopia of anti-politism that we'll never achieve. Okay. I don't believe that we're nearly evolved enough. Is that the ultimate expression of capitalism? It's the ultimate ultimate expression of humanity. I mean, if if people But is it fair to say it's an ultimate expression of capitalism, which would be good, as opposed to capitalism, which is what we have? Yeah, capitalism is just the name we put on laissez-faire. It's just letting it work. Just let people... That's what it means in French. Let it work. Just leave it alone. It'll take... I'm not saying Mm. we won't have ups and downs. I'm saying during the 19th century, we had recessions and we had a couple of depressions. And the reason you've never read about any of them is they didn't last very long because the system self-corrects. When it... When it... It, free markets are a process that are, of constantly churning, you know, creative destruction all the time, all the time. And of course, there's going to be inefficiencies that build up. And then the market will spit it out and correct and move on. What turned, you know, the, we had to be fucking Keynesians to create a Great Depression. You know, th- this is what it, everything that the government is blamed on everything but themselves is really the fault of government since 1913. Believe me, every fucking horrible right. thing you can imagine is a manifestation. Yeah. Okay, and, and let I'm not me see. Gonna... Have, if I've learned, you have the creation of the Federal Reserve. Yep. You have the creation of the income tax. Yep. You have the changing of how senators are elected. Yep. Um, and then, gosh, universal the fourth... suffrage. Universal suffrage. Mm. Allowing now, because everybody... now we have to explain that one because that yeah. sounds like a really good thing. Okay. And your reasoning is that universal suffrage is great with a property requirement okay we should have mm. what we should have done is introduce universal suffrage men women black asian whatever okay but no matter who is is voting you got to own property you got to be you got to be have have like you know skin in the game if you don't have skin in the game you have no business legislating i'm sorry i got destroyed herbie did you see my tweet from a couple days ago in which i said uh, i i asked a very provocative question about whether we should bring back a property requirement um, yeah, what happened? I, said, I didn't. I, I saw it, but I oh, didn't I got destroyed. I got panned. Um, got, got some action, but I basically said, should should there be some minimum property requirement? It's just a general, vague question to try to get everyone thinking about that. And no, 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 no. And it go, goes to your point, which is that voting is the problem. And so, explain to me problem. why voting is a problem because so many people, especially the left, is voting. Of course. Herbie, we got to expand voting. Are you kidding me? Don't be outrageous. Because, because they know the only and, people and I'm being who don't genuine. Vote, like, well, I'll tell you exactly why outrageous. they say it. it well, not if you think about it for thirty seconds. See, this is the problem with everybody. Everybody's playing checkers when life is chess, and I, it's my favorite metaphor, but it's the truth. You got to think like a chess player, not a checkers player. You can't just say, "Ooh, bad. We must do something." You got to think about. You know, there, there's no, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. So when you sit there and make a decision, we need to do this, what are you giving away to do that? So when you create universal suffrage and kill the property requirement, no one stopped for one second to say to themselves, to even read the Federalist Papers, where James Madison was crystal clear why the, pro- and, and by the way, well-reasoned, and James Madison, um, 
unique among the founders that not own slaves and was a very interesting person. Okay. He was also a prick that no one liked, but he was, you know, a super genius. And he put it there for a reason. And the Federalist Papers explain why. And they're all there for everybody to read that no one ever does. They, they quote so them. What was the reason? Them. We're not going to read it. Oh, it's really simple. The, what I've always said, you got to have skin in the game. It's what Alexis de Tocqueville said in 1805. The American democracy will continue until the voters figure out they can vote themselves things they don't have to pay for. So this is I your mean, metaphor about pulling the cart. You better be right. You got to be cart. in the cart. And, and it's, see, then it doesn't matter. You can be black or Asian. Once people have achieved anything, you ever notice who watch who all the black conservatives are, the ones that you see that are that it's a it is a huge expanding movement. There are tons of them now, but they're they're all emerging from successful business and academic careers. OK, these once you achieve it and you've paid the price to achieve it, you no longer think the way people in an inner city ghetto think. So let me, okay. let me, let me tell you something. Hold on. Let me tell you a quick yeah. story in my class. Great professor. You know, I've learned critical race theory and so much from him and he he's amazing. I mean, you could call him the, in one sense, you could call him a, I'm not going to use the word typical, but far left CRT professor, but he's so much more. He's incredible. And okay. okay yeah. Okay, the got suggestion it. Okay, is you, you, you want to have sex with him. I get it. Okay. Keep going. Uh, I do. And the suggestion is basically that, Asking people to conform to that system where property is the main thing, and this is why I've always said, I, just, I sense this is about property and taking these courses, it really is. You're asking people to assimilate into a culture that they consider to be white, and you, we can call it ridiculous, but let's just hear it out first. You're asking them to assimilate into this property ownership culture, and they say that the black people that experience success, the black conservatives, they call them non-reps. Uh, so you can see how that's considered divisive. Yeah, well, but they would say, well, first of they all, would say, it, you're it, asking. So what what do you say to people who say, "Look, man, those are not my values." Tough shit. That's just too bad. Look, private the the ownership of property is the most important right above free speech. To have a free economy, to have a free country. But what if they say we don't want that private, value because we weren't go, we weren't then, involved in the formation? Then go of the live go live someplace where you think it's better. If you think there's someplace better, as compared to what? The same question I'd ask all progressives always. Compared to what? Okay. Yeah. And by the way, none of these people understand what even they're talking about. As I've said, you've seen me tweet this. I'll say it here clearly on your show. Every single descendant of a slave in this country was, in, was enslaved by another black person. Every single one. No white man ever captured an African on the African continent and dragged them to the Americas. Black people became the slaves of America because Africa was the least, the least developed continent and the, it, slavery was widespread and the powerful tribes couldn't wait to sell the poor tribes to the, to the, to the guys on the shoreline. Now, how do I know that I'm exact, that I must be right? I know that because the average life expectancy of a white man in Africa prior to 1828 was less than a year. Why? Malaria. Why do I know that? Why 1828? That's the year quinine was developed as a treatment for malaria. Prior to 1828, no white person could go into Africa because they didn't have the antibodies to stand up to malaria like the black people did, which interestingly is why slaving ended in 1820 in the United States, eight years before quinine was developed. And the reason it ended was the mortality rate on the slave ships above the decks was identical to the slaves below the decks. 
So while the slaves locked below were dying of being chained together and treated like horrible, horrible conditions, the guys on the upper deck were dying of malaria at the same rate on the ships. It was annihilating them, and they stopped the slave trade to keep malaria out of North America. Okay, it had to stop. But every single descendant of a slave in this country descended 100% from being enslaved by another black person. So shut the fuck up already. Okay, right, it's so, just, I mean, on. the whole basis is nonsense. And, and yeah, then that may be true. And if even if it is, uh, you know, that doesn't wipe out the okay. Do you know how I validity of thing? bringing up? Uh, I want to go white... back to talk to more and more important things. So I'm going to disprove critical race theory by saying just one one thing. You ready? Well, before you do, I just want to respond by saying that we can we can ask whether or not you know systemic racism still exists. We but, don't have to ask any of that. We don't have well, to ask any of that. Well, we can. And a lot of people is, who aren't you do. And yeah, it's because uh, they have. Before they you move on to the next thought, if you wouldn't mind, yeah. I'll just say that I, I I don't quickly. I've never been one to quickly dismiss um, the effect. I can dismiss it in one sentence. Go, Jamaicans, okay, go Haitians, Jamaicans, Haitians, and African immigrants. Okay, so. Jamaican island immigrants from the Bahamas and Jamaica and other islands that are so of, of the ten and a half million slaves that came into the uh, Western Hemisphere, five hundred thousand came into the, to the United States, and the other ten million were dispersed throughout the Caribbean islands in South America. Little trivia fact: the last country to release their slaves was Brazil in 1888. Okay, now. Prior to that, though, every slave in the Western Hemisphere was black, and they were all over this, the, the continent, which is why you. Most Brazilians you look at are black. You know, you, there's, I'm sure you've seen. I mean, there are tons of blacks in South America. Those are not native people to South America. They were mm -hmm. imported slaves that came in. And millions of these people have emigrated to the United States to have a better life. From Jamaica and from Brazil and from Aruba and from, you know, every, you know, Dominica and Haiti. Enormous amounts of Haitians. Now, I lived in Miami and I saw this with my own eyes. Okay, there was an enormous Haitian exodus, and there's a part of Miami called Little Haiti, and that's where all the Haitians went. When they came here, they are, they are, number one, so black you can't see them at night. These are people that have been untouched by slave sex, like our, like our black people. So in our country, we have very few black people. What we have are a lot of mulattoes of different shades. Okay, yeah. if, if we're going to get into the whole racial makeup thing, everybody that's black virtually is mixed up with white people. They just choose to, we just don't, we pretend that they're black when they're not. They're mulatto, okay? Mm. The people from Haiti, for, as one example, they're black, okay? Right. Really black. They're almost purple, okay? Now, I say this because you can't, they can't blend into a crowd. They can't pretend to be white. They can't hide who they are. And they came here speaking French, and there's no bilingual education for French speakers in the United States. And they today is what you're saying. Yeah, it, like every other immigrant group, the parents went to work as janitors and maids, and their kids went to college. And today, the Haitians have made so. You, Haitian, are you so, every single black who emigrated after slavery has done better than whites? That's the truth of it. That the, the, right. if you look at the and that makes a lie of the whole okay, thing. Hold if, on, if hold on, calm down, lie. calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, it's such a You're bullshit thing. We shouldn't spend a minute on it because if it if it even existed then every black person should suffer, and they don't. If you ask any of go out, go on the street and find, find a Jamaican. They're not hard to find. Listen to how they, and ask them what they think of American blacks. I knew a lot of them, okay? And you know what they'll tell you? They're just lazy niggas, man. And I'm sorry I used that word, but that's the word they use. 
Okay. Yeah. And by the way, I don't play N word. Uh, we all know what that means. It's an ugly fucking shitty word. Let's just pretend that it's an ugly word. But that's, you know, they have no time for American blacks. Yeah. None. Okay. Cause yeah. they, they're tired of, the, of gonna, the, I don't know. I'll probably bleep that, but I hear you. Yeah. It's, I hear you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, keep it real. No, Look, the real truth is there's no critical race. There's no there's no systemic discrimination against says people the white man. You know, so it's easy for you to say. You no, know, no, 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 no. Says 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 the actual economic performance of every black group that's come into America since the end of slavery. Every single one. They've all done exactly as well yeah. as white people are better. Right. The that doesn't necessarily that disprove critical race theory. Sure it does. If, really. It absolutely does. These people really. are blacker than any black person in the United States and don't speak English as a first language. And you're telling me that that doesn't disprove the, even the existence okay. of this Her thing? Herbie, 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 yeah. well, dial it down. You're too wound up. <laughs> um, I know. I, I, I hate this subject. Yeah. Um, I hate it. There, it's, yeah. it's divisive things that shouldn't yeah. even exist. It's yeah. kind of like it's my second okay. worst subject. Quiet for a second, would you? <laughs> okay, just be quiet. Um, okay. The critical race theorist would just respond by saying that, "Hey, I hear you saying that the problem African black people in America have, um, to the extent that you want to say that they have a problem, that it's internal. It's a cultural problem on their end. It's a cultural it's, problem, right? It's not." Yeah. All poor people racism. have the same one. Yeah, all poor people of every race have the same cultural problem. They make stupid decisions. Okay, and 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 the society society bears some responsibility for that, and that we have the only communistic monopoly in the United States is the public school system, and the public school system stopped teaching at the end of the 1960s. So, to give it and and so now, the this descendants is a, of slaves in America who were you know, the victims of redlining and all that kind of stuff that doesn't matter today. No, it didn't matter then. They were redlining poor areas, not black areas. Look, poor people are poor people are poor people. Believe me, I've been in prison. They're all the same. So, so you don't think there was any racism going on during the Jim Crow era? No, because, well, of course there was mm. racism, but oh. there's always going to be racism. I think that's a phony red herring argument. There's always going to be people. Look, for example, one example. You don't think black people were disadvantaged in the Jim Crow era? Of course they were, but it didn't matter. Plenty of them How? overcame. How it. were they disadvantaged? Okay, first of all, Jim Crow was was not laws; they were customs. You feel free to fact check me on this. Jim Crow was a set of customs. Mm -hmm. There was no Jim Crow law. No one ever passed the Jim Crow law, and the reason that the Jim Crow set of customs came out is because, and this is going to sound eerily familiar to you, in the early early 1900s. Um, a lot of white people were worried that black people were going to take their jobs because they could do their jobs as well as white people for a lot less money. And so the, because of that, they instituted Jim Crow to shut black people out of certain professions. But see, here's the truth. And please fact check me. No okay. one actually paid any fucking attention to it. Because when push comes to shove, most white people don't give a shit in the South or the North what color you are. So in public, they go along and they say, you know, those are those people and blah, blah, blah. But when they're running their own businesses, they were hiring black people all along and promoting them from within. And the, and and between 1900 and 1959, the last year before we, well, actually 1964, the last year before we just destroyed black America, the, the poverty rate had dropped of black America from 90% to 30%, okay? And 
these the single parent family rate was less than 20%. It was somewhere between five and 20%, depending on how you count the numbers. And and the nuclear family in black America was intact, and they were doing fine because in reality, no one was obeying the stupid fucking law. The the okay, custom so is there any examples that you could give us of black people being disadvantaged in the early 20th century in America? Sure. Sure, tons of it. Just like I could point to the Jews and the Irish and the and the and the the uh, Italians and the and you know all of these groups did their own thing to, to work around it. The Italians formed the La Cosa Nostra. The Irish formed the Irish Mob. They got also went big into law enforcement. Different groups gravitated into different things depending on their cultural backgrounds. You know the the reason that there were so many Irish policemen is who was descended from Irish policemen. I, it was it was just the natural business they would go into, and no, and you know the wasps didn't want to do it. Jews are went into show business because there was no show business. We invented the fucking business because we couldn't get into anything else. Okay, you know, and the mafia formed for the same fucking reason. There was and there was a whole bunch of Jewish mobsters for the same fucking reason. Okay, so I, mean, I guess the question ultimately is. Do you not think that there are some people in America, some black people who, because of the legacy of slavery, are at a disadvantage? Yes, but the legacy of slavery isn't racism. It's the legacy of slavery. It's the entire narrative that you are somehow a victim. There are plenty of that black people who are a victim of that narrative. That narrative enslaves black people in the present. That, that, that narrative infantilizes black people. It says to them, no matter how hard you try, the game is rigged against you. Never mind all and every black person, the, the, the millions of I black people. I tend to agree with that. I could un, okay. I could agree the with that. Millions of black people who have who, who have gone up through the ranks and are now part of the American middle class and upper class. The the there are black billionaires and there are black leaders of business and there are black Black people, they, they control the sports industry, they control the music industry. Yeah. Black people, all those black people are just lucky. They're just lucky. Right. Why do you just let them get through? You know, right. they were willing and to I'm play with the you. game. Let me just tell the audience, Herbie, I'm with you. Yeah. And I we generally yeah. agree. I just want to say yeah. for the audience, this is the critical, and I'm not judging it. This is the, Herbie is, and that's cool. He's a little older. I'm not, I'm saying this is what I've been learning. It's yeah. very much a yeah, cultural so, argument of, hey, those people have assimilated. Herschel Walker, Larry Elder, Ben Carson, Candace yeah, Owens, yeah. they've assimilated into white culture and they've sold out in a sense. So it's not white culture. It's Western European culture. See, right. that's what these people all fuck up. Western European culture is superior to every other culture in history, period. Why do I say that? And I, I'll say it bl bluntly. Western European culture is superior to every other culture ever right. in the history of mankind, period. It's the culture from which democracy sprang. It's the culture from which science sprang. Okay, modern science could have developed anywhere in the world. The Chinese have had a, had a culture for 6,000 years. Modern science never showed its ugly head. It took what, and, and the Western European culture was so remarkable, even hamstrung by Catholicism, they threw it off. With, they invented a new kind of Christianity so that they had the room to develop. And, they, and, and it, 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 Western European culture is what, is what makes people succeed. Let's stop pretending. What's happened to what the what holds there is a legacy of slavery. It's the legacy of slavery. It's it's that entire narrative. It it so infantilizes an entire class of people that they really get into a position of why try? Why and try? absolutely. And and this is how and this is really the big picture. And I my podcast was originally called Searching for Political Identity. And the first thing I, I was sensing before I took these classes in CRT is if we think of America as a metaphor and it's a house, right? And yeah. you might think, does it need to be 
torn down completely and rebuilt? Does it just need new window treatments? Does it need a fresh paint? What does it need? How extensive are the repair? Is the repair need? All we um, need to the do critical race theorists would say, of course, that you need to bomb the site and fucking redig well, the dirt and they're start all, they're over. They're all hustlers. They're all because yeah, it's the colonial values. It's the it's the colonial. Yeah, yeah, what you yeah, see yeah. as the blah, best blah, culture blah, blah. is colonial values, man. And they're okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you what. You want to deconstruct it. You know what? In a free in a free society which is what anti-politism is, if they can convince the majority of people in, in any state to run their state that way, they can do whatever they fucking well please. Anti-politism devolves almost all power to states. And if any state wants to create a welfare state within itself, go right ahead, knock yourself out. Okay? That, mm. Because, and the reason I, I, I'm so nonchalant about that is the states don't have the one power that really can right. fuck things up, which is the power to, to print money. Since states can't print money, since they have to balance their budget, Okay, if they want a welfare state, have it. Go ahead. And by the way, they'll have a lot more room to have it because in anti-politism, there's no income tax. Okay, so everyone's going to take home all of the money they earn. If you make $100,000 a year or $50,000 a year, you're going to take every penny home, every single penny. How do you, how do you, so, so there is a tax, so there, so there, so it's a national sales mechanism. So it's not just a a mechanism for, for selections. It's some tax reform. 